thinky, thirsty, and over 30. Welcome to Afternoon Army, a safe place for grown army to dish and discover BTS. We are four ladies who just wanted to know their names and can now explain the meaning of Lachi Bolala. New to Army? No problem. Come along as we explore all the important business suit that Bangtan throws our way. Join us on the last Tuesday of every month as we hop in the clown car and drive to the circus. And stay tuned for shorter snack-sized episodes between hosts and various correspondents because one thing we know is that the content just keeps on coming. Hello. Hello. We're recording now. Yay. So this is really exciting. Um, and all of this is thanks to you because in our chat, you were like, let's do a snack episode on Diablo. And here we are doing a snack episode on Diablo. <laughs> here we are. Did you ever think in your 2023 bingo card doing a podcast episode about a video game was going to be on it? I sure did not. I didn't predict that in any way, but that appears to be how BTS life goes. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And for um, those listening, this is Allison and I have a special guest here. Do you want to say who you are? Uh, yes. Hi, this is Becky. I'm friend of the pod. Uh, only previously on one other podcast where we talked about going and seeing Sugar in concert. So, hello. Yay. Well, let's dive right in. Let's do And it. talk about Diablo and the Halsey-Yungi relationship. So, I think what I'll do before we sort of, like, do some, you know, feminism discussion... <laughs> Because that's where all roads lead to when I talk with people. Um, let's it. talk a little bit about like the Yungi Halsey friendship and sort of the timeline with BTS for context. This is pulled off of a website, questionable resource, I don't know, seemed pretty legit to me. Things matched up fairly well. In 2017, Halsey went and introduced herself to BTS at the Billboard Music Awards and said something really kind and sweet to them. I can't remember what she reportedly said to them. And then in 2018, she went to Seoul for her world tour and met up with them. So maintained that friendship. And then in 2019, Boy With Love came out and she's featured on that song. And then... Um, in 2020, Suga's interlude on her fourth album, Manic, came out. So they're just like have maintained this professional and personal friendship, her and BTS. Um, but then you start seeing she and Suga do things together. And she describes, or BTS describes Halsey as kind and nice and the nicest artist they have ever met, so which sweet. is just so sweet <laughs> what did she say in that very first introduction like how did she win them over to develop this so i mean obviously there's stuff that must have happened in between like we're hitting the highlights here but right if i meet them i just want to say whatever that was because it was a winning hello that's all i know for sure i think it was just like honestly can you imagine like bts coming up you know like making their way establishing themselves in the music business going to you know, the States and then having like her come up to you and just say, thank you. Cause I think it was just something like that. I think she was just like, thank you. It's so nice to meet you. Like, 
and then like how how cool of an experience that would be to yeah. as artists you know like meet another artist and just have that moment of appreciation for each other so I love it yeah which I think seems to be the theme of just their friendship in general is mutual appreciation and respect for each other which here's to healthy relationships <laughs> yay <laughs> That is on my bingo card for 2023, for the record. Yeah, healthy relationships yes. based on respect. And... <laughs> yes, exactly. Here for that. Let's manifest that for you. Um, okay, so in 2019, she has her son. And um, there's also a picture that floats around of Yungi holding her child when it is an infant. And it's adorable. And then in 2020, she posts a picture on Instagram with BTS with the caption that says, Uncle Gang Beyond Words. Adorable. Um, I guess BTS is their uncle game. Game? I love it. I cannot. And then in 2021, um, Lilith comes out on her album, If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power. So we see the first like inter- iteration of that song and then 2022 is the picture that she posted of Yungi holding her son with happy birthday and then road to d-day comes out in 2023 and then in the documentary we see them hanging out and she's doing his hair adorable um and then 2023 also they like are joking with each other on instagram super cute so basically the theme of this relationship is just those two being the cutest humans ever and then here we are in uh lilith diablo for anthem comes out with yungi and that's present day that's where we're at yes we have the cutest human ever then dive into a very dark theme together yeah totally makes sense yeah sure and I, we'll touch on that a little bit later. <laughs> uh, we're starting with uh, the video game Diablo because that's what it's the soundtrack for. So, give our listeners a little bit of a backstory on Diablo, like wh- your little TED talk that you got from your coworker. Tell us about that. Yes. Yeah, so first, let me just say one of my favorite things about standing BTS is that you end up just diving into all of these other worlds. And so I knew we were going to talk about this. I ended up going to work. There was one um, man that I work with where I just had a, an inkling that he might be a video game expert. And so we were doing a work lunch and I was like, hey, do you know about Diablo 4? And his eyes just lit up the way mine do if someone asks me, hey, do you know BTS? And he was more than happy to tell me everything about it during lunch. So he gave me an overview of what this game is, not the details of the theme, but just, I didn't know anything about how this video game works because my only reference was really Frogger, Pac-Man, a little bit of Mario Brothers. So there's been a lot that's happened in the industry (laughs) since then, (laughs) since I had a Coleco vision at age 10. Um, So this is what, it's an action RPG or role-playing game. So what you do is you choose a role and then you play the entire game as that role and there's different choices like barbarian or sorcerer i think there's other there's three or four roles in this particular game and you go on quests and you finish out a storyline or a campaign in those quests and um, you finish it out when you do different um 
when you hit different milestones, I guess you get rewards that are sometimes called a cinematic, which can be like a little movie inside the game. So I wondered if this, um, the music video for Diablo 4 might be a cinematic, but it turns out it is not. It's just the anthem for the game. But you do get other, they're kind of like the VCR movies that we get in the mm -hmm. middle of BTS concerts. Mm -hmm. um, they're little breaks and rewards that kind of move the story forward. Um, this is also what's called an isometric game. So there are other first-person shooter games where you are the eyes and you're kind of looking out and going through a different universe. This is different. Isometric, you actually look down um, on a room from above and you kind of watch the characters interact and you explore in that particular way. I'm sure that anybody who listens to this and is also a gamer is like, well, you left out some oh, really important. Games. But that was also, a beautiful <laughs> introduction. Yes. If there's any errors, they are all mine, not my friend at work. All errors are should be given to me in that <laughs> description. I take responsibility. Yeah. So my husband is a big gamer. And when the song came out, I was like, oh, are you playing Diablo 4? And he's like, no, I haven't started it yet. And I was like, do you want to... Do you want to listen to the anthem? Because it's really good. And he's like, okay. And he said it was very different from any of the Diablo like music that came before, because he had played Diablos one through three. Um, and so then he tried to play the first like music, like music from the first few video games. I was like, those don't have sugar, so I'm not really interested, but thank you for <laughs> trying to <laughs> engage with me here. Um, so then he gave me just like a background on the game itself. So Diablo 1 came out in 1997. And this is an extreme breakdown, like highlight of the game. It's a battle between angels and demons. And then games two and three, there's more fighting. This is what I know about Diablo. I was like, okay, cool. I'm... <laughs> really have zero interest in video games but it was sort of like it was fun to listen to him talk about things those were that was what I took out of the conversation I did also search out a gaming podcast to see if I could hear kind of someone else's take on Diablo 4 and I listened to a part of it um, it's called Triple Click so um check them out I've only listened to one I um and they also told us that there's been some drama within the Diablo kind of franchise so I guess the company mm -hmm. that created them or produced them I don't know the right word is called Blizzard and there was like a Blizzard North and a Blizzard South and Blizzard North I guess Diablo 1 and 2 were pretty brutal in their aesthetic and then for some reason the game moved to Blizzard South I don't know if one part of the company shut down but then Blizzard South had more of a cartoonish aesthetic and it kind of moved to that and then I think in visual in Diablo 4 they're trying to kind of blend that and um, bring it back together so it's had an interesting I'm sure there's more than just the aesthetics that changed with that shift of who was producing it. But um, there's been some kind of shifts overall in the tone of the game. Um, so there, it's kind of yet to be, like to be determined on how people feel about Diablo 4 because there was some kind of reaction from fans in Diablo 3 anytime somebody kind of like changes direction dramatically. Yeah, because I mean, the game players spend thousands of hours in this world immersed in their characters. And so I could imagine like if I had spent thousands of hours in gameplay with a particular like artistic style and view it would be shocking to then start a game and have it completely like shift interesting anything else 
about the game before we talk about Diablo 4 and the characters and Lilith, which I think is going to be fun. No, let's get in Diablo 4. Okay. So in Diablo 4, we are introduced to Lilith. The game centers around her and the game this i pulled this off a gaming website the game was designed to be in dark places so the characters are physically in dark places emotionally and mentally doing the best they can to survive um, which i think is an interesting premise and then we're introduced to the demon lilith and her the father of her child a fallen angel Anaris, I think is how you'd say his name. So in the game, they created what's called the sanctuary and it is shaped the, and it shaped the lives of all the humans in that space. And so she's trying to, I'm reading this from the gaming website to break free from the bondage. And as she grows in power, she gets control over those in the sanctuary and she wants to give the humans protection and freedom. And then the very last, sorry, game spoiler for people who are gaming, the very last image as you beat the end of the game is you see that she is given a vision where more prime evils are coming and Diablo is returning. So very ominous and dark. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the whole theme of the game, I think there's just the surface of it where you're just going in and you're battling demons and moving along. But overall, it feels like the game is kind of has deeper meaning to it about Mm -hmm. or it can if you want it to, which is, I think, where we're going to go about why Halsey and Sugar would want to do the theme song for this game and what it means for them. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about kind of some of the history of Lilith in this song? So again, as a reminder, we mentioned in the timeline, Lilith was a song that Halsey had already put out a number of years, I think 2019, if I don't, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, That sounds right. It's 221, sorry, 2021. In her album, If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power. And this was a concept album about her experience with pregnancy and motherhood. And um, Lilith was the first song she wrote for it. And it was a song about her reckoning with herself and kind of being corrupted from within. And, you know, my takeaway from that is just like when you realize that, you know, there's a lot within motherhood of kind of just realizing who am I equipped for this? Like, who am I really? And how do I feel about that? And what does that mean now for um, this future that I'm creating with this other little person I'm suddenly in charge of? So it's interesting that she chose Lilith. I know you did some history or some looking into the history of Lilith. Do you want to go into some of that? What I find interesting about the Lilith character is that she represents uncontrollable women. And as I don't know, I'm a women's studies major. So as my schooling taught me, uncontrollable women are often villainized. They often meet really negative core ends and branded as evil. But a reclaiming of Lilith, um, she's often often represented as sort of liberation and rebellion and breaking free of bondage, which is what the character in the game is trying to do. Um, And going back to the game for like five seconds, there was a comment in a gaming website that talked about like the story is predetermined how it's going to end. So you don't get to choose whether or not like you sympathize with Lilith. Um, Mm. You're sort of like given this path. And I thought that was really interesting that 
you could either see her as like this evil or you could see her as somebody who is trying to fight for liberation and how that mimics sort of present day society mm-hmm. views on women. So other Liliths in history and like how how they're represented. So we have the Lilith Fair, which came about by Sarah McLaughlin wanting to gather female artists because I think the first one was in 90 somewhere in the 90s. And what was happening in the music interest industry at that time is women were being told that if somebody was headlining, they couldn't have another like woman opening that two women acts wouldn't sell. One, I forget who it was. Um, she was signing a record. She was trying to sign with a record label. And they're like, sorry, we already have a woman on this label. And it was Cheryl Crow. Um, so they're like, we can't have another woman on the record label, which is ridiculous. And they, Liz Fair pointed out in an interview about Lilith Fair um, and just sort of creating this space for women is that she had been told that I mean the impression that she got was that like women were just being pitted against each other in the music industry and so Sarah McLaughlin is like okay well let's make a a music festival that just celebrates all the women artists and bring them all together and of course it was very very successful women can (laughs) so (laughs) just as well um and they don't women can play in the same playground and sell tickets yeah yeah so what did you find in your deep dive on Lilith yeah so I was trying to dig more into kind of who Lilith was because I similar to what you were saying about the game where she's both a um she's presented as a demon and then she's also presented as this kind of icon for for being a feminist and I couldn't kind of make that make sense so I found different pieces so Here's what I found. Um, This is according to the Jewish Encyclopedia of Women online. And I'm just going to read it word for word because I think they really captured this fairly succinctly. So until the late 20th century, the demon Lilith, or Adam's first wife, had a fearsome reputation as a kidnapper and murderer of children and a seducer of men. Only with the advent of the feminist movement in the 1960s, did she acquire her present high status as the model for independent women? The traditional depiction of Lilith from ancient Mesopotamia through medieval Kabbalah presents an antitype of desired human sexuality and family life. Lilith not only embodies people's fears of how attraction to others can ruin their marriages or how risky childbearing and raising children are, but also represents a woman whom society cannot control a woman who determines her own sexual partners, who is wild and unkept, and who does not have the natural consequences of sexual activity children. The contemporary feminist movement found inspiration in this image of Lilith as the uncontrollable woman and decisively changed the image of Lilith from demon to powerful woman. In 1972, Lily Rivlin published an article on Lilith for the feminist magazine Ms with the aim of recovering her for contemporary women. The Jewish feminist magazine Lilith, founded in the fall of 1976, took her name because the editors were inspired by Lilith's fight for equality with Adam. I just love that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I love when any um, group that is marginalized in any way takes back their power in different Mm -hmm. ways. And I like that... um, 
I didn't know anything about Lilith before this, I've, except at the very surface. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, I, sh- I find her that I want to kind of dig in quite a bit more to learn more about her because I love this idea that um, an uncontrollable, an uncontrolled woman has this level of power and that there's kind of this reclaiming of it. I'm surprised we actually haven't heard her a bit more in um, kind of modern mythology and, and the narrative around feminism. I think that is a lovely segue into talking a little bit more about Halsey because what was your relationship with Halsey prior to this song? Very little. So I only... So BTS introduced me to Halsey. I only knew of her because of the collaborations. And then she recently performed with Suga at one of his concerts in LA and I saw her there. But I really hadn't dug into her body of work. I hadn't gone back and looked. She's done film concepts along with her music. I haven't looked into any of that. So, I mean, I will say when we first talked about doing this podcast, I was so smitten with her. I was like, I'm just going to repeat Halsey over and over and over because she's amazing. Like I just watched the video and was like, what is happening? Halsey. Um, she's, <laughs> and the more I read about her, I, that just, that kind of awe gets bigger, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I did not know much about her. What about you? I knew a little bit, just mostly surface level stuff. Like I know her songs. Um, I have a few people in my life that are like huge Halsey fans. And so one of those people had like gone to Colorado to see her film at the IMAX theater there um, and talked about it a little bit. Um, I knew that I liked her and I knew that she was like, you know, cool and had a beautiful voice, but I didn't know much more than that and again I think I say this with every single podcast like I love that BTS invites these like areas of deep dive and curiosity um, because it's just really fun to learn new things and so I had seen the trailer for the film the concept film that went along with if I can't have love I want power which was even the short two minute trailer is very overwhelming visually and conceptually so I can't imagine trying to sit in an IMAX where you're being bombarded with like the like all of that um but it is and I think we'll talk about it a little bit more if you're okay with it because you Mm -hmm. had like reminded me of that um when we were talking about this podcast and getting ready for this so she released the album released the film both have the same name um but the film is really really powerful i won't go into too much depth about it but she is married to a king and she is she gets pregnant and i think you find out there's some trigger warnings for sexual violence, um, rape, suicide, and I'm sure, you know, some other things. It was just, that's what I was getting from the synopsis that I was reading. Um, but she gets pregnant following a rape by her, um, by the king. And just throughout the pregnancy, which the film sort of follows a little bit, is just struggling with motherhood and what does this mean and not wanting that not wanting to be pregnant because it came from violence and then 
what happens is she keeps seeing Lilith throughout the film. Like she sees Lilith in the mirror and then, so there's Lilith represents throughout, which, you know, makes sense because you know, she is representing the uncontrollable woman and the queen sort of becomes uncontrollable throughout this and is told, well, if you, you know, give birth, we'll keep a boy child, but we won't keep a girl child. We'll kill a girl child. Um, and as soon as you give birth, we're going to be assassinated. Like we're going to kill you. It's very like violent. And so it's just the imagery and the re- the wrestling and the themes that came out through the film were very interesting. Mm. Yeah. It makes me want to watch it, even though I'm not always all in on watching violence. It very much depends on what style of violence. But um, I really like watching uh, stories inspired by wrestling with becoming a mother. Like That's very much what that is, right? Like it's a a blend of probably her reality and then this fictional world she created and, you know, mythology from the past and all of these things pushed together but I feel like so often I mean the idea of motherhood in society is just this very interesting entity that is held up as so glorified and yet women are um it's like a minefield Mm -hmm. of doing no like there's really no winning in some ways um so I really enjoy when um I see stories that feel like they're telling a different part of that story and making it more well-rounded and whole. So that's what that sounds like to me. I just kind Mm -hmm. of appreciate that it exists in the world. And now I kind of want to go seek it out. This is a bit of a a turn, but one thing that was interesting to me is that a couple years later after Halsey has her baby, she actually comes out and changes her pronouns to she, they, Uh, which I, and then this is the quote that she gave, and I'm going to read it again because I don't want to get it wrong at all. She said, I thought pregnancy would give me very strong binary feelings about womanhood, but truly it has leveled my perception of gender entirely. My sensitivity to my body has made me hyper aware of my humanness, and that's all. I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, I just thought that was really interesting. Like there's nothing wrong with pregnancy, making you have stronger feelings with your femininity or with womanhood or being female at all. But I also think it's really interesting to have it really drop you down into your humanity and just um, the wholeness that that is. And I feel like that's a lot of this story here, not to read too much into a theme song on a video game, but there's just so many layers to this that um, it's just really compelling to pull it all together about this iconic um, I don't know if iconic is the right word, but like this um, character that is really embodying so many things all in one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That makes me think that like so often our brains try to put things in compartments and, you know, like make make it easier to understand, but everything is great and like how important it is to give voice to different representations of motherhood or femininity or, you know, just the Lilith character itself, you know, coming out of when it was first sort of written about, you know, villainizing um, and making Lilith like a prime evil or whatever, but there's actually a lot more nuance to that and nothing is ever purely evil or purely good. We're all 
humans in the world just trying to survive, as they said in the in the video game blurb. Let's talk, let's bring it back to the BTS world. <laughs> Talk a little bit about why Yoongi might be on this song and how that might have come about. Why why do you think he could have why do you think he chose to be on this song? So I know Halsey said publicly that they had wanted to do a collaboration where they go into they dive deep into kind of one of these darker worlds, but um more on the surface, I feel like they both have recent works where they are um, reckoning with themselves and crying, trying to come to terms with their own demons, their shadows, um, the traumas that they had in the past. I mean, really, that's the whole story of a lot of the Augusti trilogy, and especially the songs that are in um, his most recent album with D-Day, which kind of culminates with Amygdala. And that, um, you know, that music video also is just him really visiting his past and realizing um that a lot of the scars that he has, he inflicted on himself and how is he coming to terms with what happened externally and how he has processed that internally and then the choices that he made. So I feel like this narrative overall um, is the story that he has been trying to tell about himself. And so it makes a lot of sense to me for him to come into this story um, but he does come late in the song. He does not overshadow Halsey at all in this. And I love that. I mean, even when he comes in, it's almost a breathy whisper. It's not quite at a whisper level, but it's got a, for being such a powerful song, I feel like his voice has, um, gosh, softness isn't the right word, but it's got like a tenderness to it that I really like that um, has its own kind of power that really speaks to this world of really just internally reckoning with who you are mm -hmm. um I also love that you know on the whole BTS so rarely interacts with women publicly I mean there's times for sure and they have done a number of collaborations throughout the past but on the whole it's a it's a it's notable when it happens um and so I love that Sugar would partner with Halsey on a character like Lilith that embodies powerful women and actively seeks equality with men and then somehow has this like protection of humanity element like that just all makes sense to me with his um with who he seems to be striving to be in the world with the way that he presents his art and his music and his storytelling mm -hmm. well he's been grappling with the the shadow self for a long time and i've you know I'm not his mental health professional, like I'm not diagnosing or anything, but even just seeing, you know, like when you listen to um, his interlude shadow um, and he, you know, just like alluding to the, like, these are the dark pieces of me and I can choose this or I can choose this. Um, and I think that that's sort of what Lilith um represents for Halsey too is these like I can either choose to follow like the Lilith demon down 
into darkness in this film or I can choose this other path or maybe like Lilith isn't so bad and maybe like those big scaries in my head are just that in my head and once I sort of pull them out of the shadows it's far less scary and way more easily managed um you know and I again going back to like giving voice to things like when you when you put things out there and when you speak them, they often become a lot less scary. And so just like having these two artists um, speak their experiences and sort of wrestle with these things, I think normalizes um, the experiences of, of trauma and those scary parts of ourself that are sometimes really hard to look at. It's like, oh, if if Halsey has these feelings and Yungi has these feelings, maybe I'm not so alone in this. And I think that, you know, they probably have both done the work of navigating that and are in a place where they can make space for others to do so as well. So. Yeah. I love, I love the way that they do that so publicly. And then at the same time, coming back to sort of where we started, they've got this, adorable gentle friendship on top of it like it's not deep all the time like mm -hmm. they go into these dark places and then they also show that you can come out and have lightness and joy and so that that kind of um 360 degree view to some extent just is so beautiful because um it can be easy to stay in one or the other kind of as you were saying so they really offer us a very holistic picture I think right because how how healing is that clip of him laughing at himself when she like shows him his hair after he's adorable she's adorable oh. they are great together I want more I want like a whole, <laughs> I want all of the footage that didn't end up in the documentary I want it released and to be able to see it because they are just the cutest yeah yeah. And I think that, you know, just like, like you're saying, the, the levity and the joy that they find in their relationship and in their music is something that is inspiring to me is, you, know, you can get to those places, like doing the work doesn't have to be super serious, like you can sit with both at the same time and make space for them. So just a really lovely, lovely friendship for these two cutie pies. So Love it. Okay, so here's the question of the day. Are you inspired enough? Did the anthem do its job? Are you motivated to actually play Diablo 4? Yeah, no, absolutely not. No. I... <laughs> <laughs> um, no, sorry. No, I... I am inspired to continue to read about Lilith and I'm inspired to like listen to more Halsey. I am inspired by Yungi and sort of thinking about like, you know, what do I want my dreams to be and what am I dreaming for myself in the future? But I can tell you one of those dreams is to not play video games because that is not my uh, joy. <laughs> How about you? Are you going to go... I am not. Diablo. No, I get nauseous when I watch these kind of video games. They just get a little bit too wobbly for me. But I also am inspired to learn more about Halsey, to dive deep with Lilith, and also to ask the people that I work with about the stuff that they're really into. I 
loved listening. Like surprisingly enough, I really loved listening to my coworker light up and talk about his love of the world of video games. I'm sure at some point my eyes would glaze over because as we know, people who are diehard fans of anything, you can, you can go deep, right? Like, but his joy felt joyful to me. And I love that. So I'm like, who else has something you're really deeply into and you want an hour to talk about it? Go ahead. I want to hear it. I want to feel that joy from the people around me. So that was just a fun side effect that I would also invite more of into my world. Oh, I love that so much. You can find out so much about your coworkers that way. That'd be a fun, like, snack episode is to think, like, about the people in your life and what they're into and see if there's parallels <laughs> and overlap. <laughs> like, what does your fandom like to do? What does your fandom like to do? Yeah. How do you express sure. your fandom? <laughs> What does that look like? Yeah. All right. Did we did we hit all the highlights? How how are we doing? I think we did. I feel like we did good. Like it has a nice flow. Yeah. Perfect. 